Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace and Tyler Hudson. Do you believe that political correctness and the woke movement are destroying the values and virtues of our nation? Do you desire for our nation to repent and return back to the Bible? If so, you will find a home here at Fortress of Faith. We meet each day at the corner of truth and courage to give a Christian perspective on the dangers and trends that are threatening our values and faith. One of those threats is the effort to limit free speech of Christians. The United Nations has passed a resolution a number of times to make it a crime to blaspheme the Prophet Muhammad or to defame the religion of Islam. Today we are going to talk about how the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton was working with Muslim states to implement this harmful law into America. Here now are our hosts, Tom and Tyler. Welcome to the Corner of Truth and Courage with Tom and Tyler. We are here with you towards the end of the week we're getting into now. Yesterday we talked about really the UN and their attempt to stop free speech, what's called the blasphemy laws. And and actually you, you gave me some insight as to something that kind of blew my mind away and the fact that we ended the program talking about that Hillary Clinton, her involvement and how she tried to tweak the UN 1618 to make it be implemented in America, which is something that I've never heard of. And I think you're right. I think my generation is snoozing a bit as different laws are being passed through here, which are going to affect us a great deal down the road. That's very scary to me in my eyes there. So pick up where you left off there, if you would, on, on Hillary Clinton's invo- involvement there, uh, if you would, sir. Well, Tyler, I don't think it's just your generation. There are many others, too, that are asleep at the wheel in my generation. I think they call me Gen X. I'm at the beginning of that. My wife, (laughs) am I going to say this public on radio, is older than me. Mm -hmm. And and so she is the end of the baby boomers. Many in our generations, but especially in the younger generations, are not paying attention to this. And I don't really fault people for that because... Sadly, our media, they're not keeping people involved like they should, and they're certainly being politically divided. And yesterday we're talking about the Resolution 1618. This is something that the Muslim nations in the United Nations, the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, there are 57 member states. It's actually 56 officially, but we say 57 because... Palestine is counted as the 57th, but they're not a state. They're not a nation mm-hmm. yet, but they still vote. <laughs> we, we invite them to the table. We invite them to act like they're a nation, and they're part of the OIC. And um, 1.8 billion Muslims in the world out of 7 billion people that are on this planet. So a great portion of of our world population is now Muslim. Yeah. And so these people are voting not as nations, but as a religion. And that's what the OIC is all about. And they brought to the table back in 2001 a resolution, 1618, uh, that's its number. Uh And it's, you know, you can call it a blasphemy law, but it's entitled the defamation of religions. Uh Now, it really wasn't put out there so that they could not defame Christianity or Hinduism or any other religion out there is so that you do not blaspheme Islam or their prophet. So, um, and that law has been passed since 20, oh, uh, since 2001. And they bring it up every year. 
just to reaffirm that it is law. Now, let me say this, Tyler, because it's important for people to realize. Just because the United Nations passes a law does not mean that everyone has to abide by it Hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. They don't have that power yet. But what it does, it gives huge influence on the world to say, this is how we, what we want the world to behave like. Okay? Mm-hmm. So then, well, let's say a nation now has a humanitarian crisis, and they now need to come to the UN with their hat in their hand saying, um, uh, we need help, we need money, we need humanitarian supplies. Well, we'll be glad to give it to you. But we know that you're not complying to the international community rules. And we now require you to start passing these laws, and we'll start sending you aid. Mm. You see how it works? Yeah. So the international community through the United Nations says, you know, these are resolutions that we want everyone to abide by, but we can't force you. But when you come to them with your cap in your hat in your hand saying, we need your help, we need you to do certain things, then they're going to say, well, we'll be glad to when you start applying these laws. Yeah. And so their influence is huge. And so Europe has been led and guided by UN Resolution 1618, and they're prosecuting people who blaspheme Islam. I gave you examples of Gert Fowler yesterday and also uh, Sabadish Wolf, which is a friend of mine. Um, I've had her on the program a number of times. Mm-hmm. She's a European. And uh, we've seen many examples of that. Even in Canada, they're applying it. And they went after the former prime minister, Stephen Harper, there uh, on one occasion. Mm-hmm. But now what's happened, or let, let's go back in history. And, and we need to be awakened to this because you say, well, that could never happen here in America. No way are they going to make blasphemy laws here. We have the First Amendment that prevents the government from establishing religious laws. Uh-huh. They can't uh, prohibit the free practice of people's religion, right? Yeah. Well, you would think that that was a safe harbor, that we don't have to worry about that. But when Obama was president, he and his minions and his influence and his establishment of Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State, Mm -hmm. I think he sent him. I think she did this not because it was really her, um, her agenda. It was Obama's agenda. And she went to Istanbul to meet with the OIC. We call this the Istanbul process. And it was over Resolution 1618. We've been voting against that in the United Nations every time it comes up. But it passes because there's enough support from the Islamic communities and nations. And Russia usually goes along with the OIC. The OIC has an agenda. Russia usually comes along with it. And some other nations do too. And Europe follows along with it as well. But the United Nations has stood against that. Well, she met with the OIC. And uh, uh, this was back in 2011. Mm -hmm. That was their first meeting. And uh, and her goal was to tweak the language a little bit, to help them make the language a little less volatile so that the United States could also vote for it. Mm -hmm. Because of our 
First Amendment, it needed to be uh, helped. So they met in Istanbul for the first year. The second year, they had another meeting. The second year was in the United States. They invited all these Islamic countries' leaders to come to Washington, D.C. to discuss this a little bit more, to tweak the language. And they hadn't quite come to a, an agreement yet. And so they had a third meeting. The third meeting was in, uh, in 2013, was in London mm-hmm. at the Canadian House, is where they actually met. Um, I remember all this so well uh, because I covered that a lot when it was going on because it was very concerning news. We don't talk about it a whole lot of late because, you know, it's almost in the past. But we need to realize the history of what was happening there. And finally, they tweaked the language enough that in 2013, the United States voted for Resolution 1618 in the year 2013. And they've been bringing that up every year. And we, uh, during the Obama administration, kept voting for it. I'm sure when Nikki Haley became prime minister under Trump, we stopped voting. Mm-hmm. I uh, and I don't think they keep. I don't think they've been bringing it up because they've lost the support of the United States. But basically, this is a blasphemy law, not against other religions, even though it's vague. But the purpose of this is not to keep Muslims from defaming other religions. It's designed to keep us from defaming Islam, Mm -hmm. protecting the Prophet Muhammad, making them a special interest group, a protected group, and um, and giving them special help. So let me ask this question. Where do we stand today as it deals with these blasphemy laws, and how has all this affected us today? Well, in the nation, I don't think it's affected us a whole lot yet. But again, let me bring you back to that point. When a nation comes to the United Nations, when a country is in trouble, and they need the help of the United Nations. The United Nations has big influence. So it's not really going to affect us much because we are the greatest financial supporter of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And our our veto power is huge in the United Nations, and I think everyone recognizes that. But for us, it's not turning us, but it's turning everyone around us even Canada. Canada has slipped into this. Mm-hmm. In the, in the, you go to Canada, you cannot speak out against Islam freely without fear of being uh, prosecuted or thrown out or something. And our Canadian listeners um, fear that what if this stuff actually happens in America? I mean, it's happening to them, and they see it, and they've lost the game, it seems like, up there, and it's crazy. Uh, to see what's happening up there because their laws are very similar to ours and they have they don't have the you know a constitution like we have but they have some laws supposedly protecting free speech there um, but but they're still installing things like this saying well you have the freedom to speak on many things but not on this subject even on things like homosexuality and so on their preachers cannot preach that there are preachers that are being jailed in Canada and so, but they fear 
Here's what I hear from my Canadian listeners and friends a lot there. What if America loses its traction? What if they can't hold their freedoms? Who will if America loses it? Well, that was, Who in the world will hold freedom of speech? That was going to be one and of my questions. what will happen to the world? Are they, if they turn everybody else, could that create some sort of religious war against America in which we could be defeated? Because we might be bigger than everyone else individually, but not as a whole. Yeah, it's hard to be an island to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when the rest of the world is falling into it, and that's what's happening. Many in the world are falling and submitting to Sharia. That's what it is, becoming Sharia compliant, because Sharia does not permit any blasphemy against its religion. We're seeing incidents in America where some of our courts are give, are yielding to Sharia law. That's another story for another day. So we're seeing incidents where we're crumbling. And it's not, though, that the fox is outside of the gate. I fear that uh, that the fox is in the hen house, mm-hmm. and we need to be careful about that. But the, but we do have the enemy without, and it's influencing many in our world, and we need to be concerned about it. Well, Tyler, there's a, there's a huge amount of things for us to talk about. I didn't even get into Huma Abedin, Hillary's Clin- uh, Hillary Clinton's aide, who was a, a Muslim with the Muslim Brotherhood, a terrorist organization, and her influence— uh, she was married to a senator in the United States. It's amazing the connections that Islam has had and the high offices of America already, and it should concern us. Well, we're going to have to stop there, but we'll talk more, and we'll, we'll talk more on these subjects tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.